Hi, I'm Julia Martin, and this is my fantasy funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. My guest today is a visual artist who specializes in painting faces of women. Her works are impressionistic, wildly colorful, and most certainly entrancing. She opened her own gallery in 2013, allowing her to exhibit work from artists she wants Nashville to see, work that often carries with it a strong social significance. A group show in 2016 called External Ballistics put a spotlight on the ever-growing number of lives lost due to gun violence. And chosen as Best Art Opening in 2017 by the Nashville Scene was a joint show at the gallery between musician Jesse Zazu and Jesse's mother after Jesse was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer that would later take her life. More recently, my guest's own work has been featured on an entire floor of Nashville's Noel Hotel, where you'll find paintings in tribute to her hometown heroes, many of whom are no longer with us. Regarding her tendency to focus on the female form, she has said, quote, I think a large percentage of my work would qualify as a love letter to every woman that's ever felt abused, frustrated, lost, and who continues to gain strength and persevere. If nothing else, making it has certainly aided me in doing so. She is Julia Martin. <laughs> Hello, Julia. What a lovely intro. Hello. I'm so glad you could be here. I mentioned that the shows you've had at your gallery, the Julia Martin Gallery, that deal with themes of loss... And your works for the Noel feature a few locals who have died. How often is death on your mind when you're working on a painting? I mean, I don't think I could answer ever to that. I, I don't. I mean, death is not something I think about a lot. I think as we age, you know, we, you start to think about your mortality. the The Noel series was was a heavy one. You know, it really. And, and I, Jonathan Marks, who I realized just did uh, an episode with you. Um, we had a really beautiful, bonding, tearful moment the day that it was kind of released to the public and then they had a big opening reception. And the, more than a few friends have referred to it as like like death row, which is, you know, a little hard to swallow, I guess. I, um, but it is nice to see those faces again and again. It's, you can almost hear their voices when you walk through uh, that corridor. It's really... It's one of the more meaningful projects I've ever been a part of, and I'm really thankful to Bryce McLeod for inviting me and everyone that was involved. It's such a wonderful love letter to Nashville, and I'm really proud to have been a part of it. Well, today we are going to kill you off and take a look at the funeral you would plan for yourself. You have specified that it will be a fall evening when this all <laughs> happens, so I guess part of your fantasy funeral is that you will leave us during one of the autumn months. Is that your favorite time of year? Yeah, I was born in the fall, so hopefully I'll kick it in the fall. Well, today we will hear the five songs that you have chosen to be played during your funeral. What is your first song choice? My first choice was is a hard one because I'm such, I, I just, Bill Callahan, anything he's ever written, just always speaks so deeply, to, and I paint to him for a decade at least. I, he's just a really 
to me is is one of the more powerful writers some of the more emotional and harder times in my life I always tend to gravitate to his music and it made sense to me to have that tone be as as sort of like a gathering just sort of background sound there's a memory with too many birds when I, I was going through a rough time and just sort of disappeared for a couple months and just drove all over the country basically just wherever the wind took me and there was this moment driving up this little mountain called Wineglass Mountain to go visit this sculptor friend of mine, and, and I had never been before, and it was sunset in Montana, and I'm coming up the hill, and it's these horses just sort of like casually walked right up to my vehicle, like just to sort of say hello, and I was listening to that song just as I'm slowly making my way up the mountain, and it was a moment where the view of the sunset was just so... If you've ever been on top of a mountain in Montana and watched the sunset, it is one of the more spiritual things I've ever experienced in my life. And the horses and just that song, I was just in tears, but they were like, you know, tears of joy. I was like sitting next to God and just sort of, you know, hanging out for a few minutes. It was really an incredible moment and a time where you feel so so very alive and so in touch and kind of in harmony with everything and I like the idea of starting my my funeral with that sort of a tone and people coming together with that soundtrack behind them seemed really lovely too many birds in one tree too many birds in one tree And the sky is full Of black and screaming leaves The sky is full Of black and screaming And one more bird Then one more bird And one last bird And another One last blackbird Without a place to land One last blackbird Without a place to be Bill Callahan and Too Many Birds from his album Sometimes I Wish We Were an Eagle Julia, there's a wonderful story you tell about the very first time that visual art got your attention, but it didn't happen at a gallery or even in school. Where was this and what did you see? (laughs) I was a really bratty teenager being drug along for some sort of furniture shopping adventure with my mother. And it was back when downtown Nashville was just a ghost town. In my memory, and I I could be remembering it incorrectly, but... It seemed like it was just fields of furniture stores, you know, and of course, like some country western wear type stuff, but nobody went downtown and it was, there was some big liquidation sale and the store is like an entire city block long. So I just remember walking into this upstairs furniture store. I was just so drawn to this painting. I This piece, which is a replica, you know, a pretty close replica of this Matisse painting called Spanish Woman with Tambourine. And there's something about her gaze that is like a mirror. Whatever you're feeling 
in that moment that you happen to glance up at her, she's either rooting for you or she's chastising you or she's pissed at you or she's like, it's a, she's just this mirror for emotions. And I, when I, when I eventually did start painting, my goal for every piece is to kind of have that strike that tone where it's just, it sort of becomes a friend. You're, it's a relationship that forms with the piece and you can come back to it and always see something new or feel something new. Right. And you ended up taking that painting home. You did. End up I with it. begged my mother. Yes. That ended up being my birthday and Christmas present that year. And how old were you? I don't know. Somewhere around, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, maybe. And were your parents surprised that this struck you in such a way? Had had they encouraged creativity in you before that? Oh, at God, all? no. It's nothing that's ever run in my family, really. I, my brother's a musician, you know. Some, my mom got cursed with two artists for kids. God bless her. I typically ask my guest at the end of the show who they would choose to give a eulogy, but you have requested that the eulogy come right before this next song, and you have chosen to have close friends talk about a favorite memory of you what would you hope your friends would remember most about you? I would hope to be remembered for being a safe place to land. And honestly, kind of in the, in the spirit of this next song, make always feeling like the people that I love are being heard. I love a good party. I want to be remembered for how much fucking fun I have had in my life and how much fun times I have shared with some of the most incredible people um, inspiring people magical creative wonderful humans because we never know how we really affect people and I think a lot of times it doesn't resonate until you lose a person um, so I would really just hope that, that there was a big open welcome freedom to say whatever the fuck you want even if I crossed you which I ain't for everybody there's people out there that I'm sure are not my biggest fan I'd be happy for those people to get up and be like you know she was kind of a cunt <laughs> you know a few close buddies just you know and if anybody just felt an overwhelming urge to get up and say something I want them to have that chance because it's frustrating when you really you really want to and you don't get an opportunity to I believe your second song you dedicated to your mother. Mm, mm-hmm. Tell me about this song. I the first time I heard it, I just I immediately played it for her. It to me was a love letter. It just felt and sounded like a love letter to my mom. She's she's the reason I'm I'm here. I mean, I from the minute I decided, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, she got right on board. And it's just, you know, she's always made me feel, she's always been my safe place to land, you know. Um, and I, this song would be my love letter just to everyone who's ever shown me any bit of support. And I feel very, very lucky to have been surrounded most of my life by so many wonderful friends and, you know, a few good family members. <laughs> Thank you for staying.
Sinead O'Connor, and thank you for hearing me from her album, Universal Mother. Julia, you spent some time at the School of Visual Arts, both in New York and Savannah, Georgia. How did you find art school to be generally? Completely life-changing. There's a part of me that laments that I never finished, but I feel so grateful for the foundational skills that I learned and the really, really wonderful, dedicated professors that particularly I found in Savannah that were only 85 of us in the entire school. So the classes were really intimate and the teachers were so hands-on. And I mean, I was way out of my league before I went and I came out of there like with a whole new level of confidence and determination and passion and for better or worse, here I am. Here you are. <laughs> You're known for working on paintings in the moment, driven by instinct. This impulsive painting style, when did you realize that this was how you actually worked? Because every other attempt was an abysmal failure. I mean, when I try to plan too much, when I try to sketch ahead of time, it just inevitably crashes and burns or turns to mud, and I just... I love the feeling of of being so in the moment and feeling almost as though you're just you're just sort of a channel or a vessel. I love that the paintings are as much of a surprise to me as anybody else when they're finished. Uh, there's also a, it's a, it's a really cathartic experience. It's really I mean it can be so joyful. Um, there's often dancing involved, but it can also be, I mean, it can be very violent, you know? I mean, there's times where I have sent a brush through the actual canvas. I mean, it, it can be kind of torturous at times too. I mean, it's a little, it's a little emotionally masochistic the way that I have chosen to, to, to work, but, um, I guess that's that's just the kind of cookie I am. I guess so. Tell me about the third song you've chosen. I believe you have ideas of having it reworked a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I don't know how game she will be for it, but hopefully when I'm dead, she won't have any choice and she'll just have to suck it up and do it. Um, I, I, for some reason, and, and based on a recent conversation and hang I had with this really dear friend of mine, Sabrina Rush, um, she's a wonderful musician. Um, we have just a really similar outlook on life and the world, I think, um, in many ways. And I I just, the first time I heard this song, I just felt like, fuck yes. Like, this is exactly what I want my heaven to look like. And uh, I, I because it's from such like a male perspective, I love the idea of asking Sabrina to kind of tweak it into into from like our perspective you know I would trust her implicitly to rewrite that song in a way that would be a little more you know applicable to to my life and hers sort of transitioning into just a good old concert out on you know on some homemade stage by the river um, with a big old open bar, maybe even an open weed bar, you know, just have a party and celebrate life and, and, uh, forget about me. I'm gone. You know, just, just, let's just have a good time. Well, I might even invite a few choice critics, those syphilitic parasitics, buy them a panasmetics and smother them with my charm. Cause then I'm going to get a cocktail 
cigarette that's nine miles long. I'm gonna kiss that pretty girl on the tilt of world. Yeah, this old man is going to town. John Prine and When I Get to Heaven from his album The Tree of Forgiveness. The Julia Martin Gallery opened in December 2013, but I imagine it was a dream you had had long before that. You would be incorrect in that assumption. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, my buddy Lonnie, who owns the building, bought it uh, years prior with the intention of kind of building his dream um, recording studio space down below. And the upstairs had just been sort of rented residentially. And this is one of the last intact Ellen railroad houses. Um, this has always been like a creative kind of warehousey. You could always find studios for cheap. And sadly, those days are long gone. But he wanted to have some sort of a tenant that was not residential, um, that was not going to make a lot of noise to interfere with recording and also not mind music coming up through the floorboards. And um, we've just, we were both OG Nashvilleians. We know a ton of people. And he just kind of spirited me in one night, kind of, hey, if you know anybody, maybe like a graphic design startup firm or something. I, this, the light bulb went off of what if, what if it was a gallery? And, I, it happened so fast. It was nothing I ever planned. Um, and I I really, I did open it originally just kind of with the intention of it being a little vanity gallery. But I, the universe had other plans because it has taken on a life of its own. And um, I'm really, really grateful. I'm so grateful to Lonnie. To, you know, it wouldn't be here. It, it would not be possible. He keeps everything really reasonable and is so committed to keeping this neighborhood as cool as possible and I'm real happy to be a part of that mission. I would wonder if giving the gallery your own name, calling it the Julia Martin Gallery, was it a timing issue or I would have seen it as a, like you putting your stamp of approval on all the work you show. Yeah, well I like that's a, I, I like the way you put it. I mean I, I that's 100% accurate. Like, would you show work that you tr did not truly believe in? I'm, I'm starting to get a lot more open-minded here almost six years in to inviting other curators in. I have never shown any work that does not make me really feel something. I, I, I'm really, really picky, as any, you know, gallerist should be. But, I, you know, I'm also an artist, and I, I, I don't... I don't march around thinking of myself as a curator, but I am, you know, I, I, it's, it's a weird kind of one foot in both worlds. And I think it's why the space is unique because it is artist run. That's a whole new ball game now. That's like open me up to having a little more freedom in the, to go be in the studio and make work. Um, Cause I'm kind of a one man show. I've certainly had plenty of incredible help um over the years uh but it's it's sporadic i can't always afford to have an employee um but it's yeah i mean it just it's amazing to <laughs> sometimes i truly i'm surprised it's still here to be perfectly honest because it has been 
a labor of love and it's definitely like figure it out as we go but those more uh really important kind of social socially conscious exhibitions that we have had have all come from external um dramas that have just sort of unfolded that I want to talk about this we need to all get together and talk about this and um like the gun violence exhibition you brought up was sparked by a bullet coming through the building I mean it was nuts and it was actually the police officer who came to file the report on his way out turned around and looked at me and was like you know it might be kind of cool if you did an art show about this I was like you are so correct and immediately emailed just 25 artists that I was like who if I had could pick anyone in the city to be a part of the show and to their credit every single one of them said yes that was a really really exciting show that formed some relationships that then led to more really important show like it's just I have to stay out of the way the same as with painting it's the same as with writing with doing anything creative you have to sort of let it grow and germinate in its own way and just not fuck it up. But it's nice to have that outlet where you can act very quickly on something like that. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the decider. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, why don't you decide what our fourth song is for your fantasy funeral? I mean, the fourth song... At this point during my fantasy funeral, where are we? We're 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 on, we're in a really kick-ass whatever homemade concert out it's by a little river. rowdy. Yeah, ideally my body's laying on some sort of like nothing too fancy pyre of sticks. Maybe a few flowers would be nice, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And close to the river, so we don't burn the fucking forest down because clearly everyone's going to be a little inebriated at this point. Um, guided by voices to this day is bar none my favorite band to see live because I just can't it's like I I mean it just I'm possessed you know like you you just you dance and the level of joy in the room is just something to behold if you've never seen them please go see them cut out which is that song it's the song that for whatever reason every time I hear it I just feel like life is at volume 10 and it's you, you I'm just I'm bouncing off the walls when I hear it it just it's pure joy to me with a little dark edge to it as I think everyone you know everything should have a little edge to it but it was really hard to pick one guided by voices song but I like the idea of my body being lit on fire to this song that just felt right
Guided by Voices and Cut Out Witch from their album Under the Bushes, Under the Stars. You have said in the past you believe that everyone deserves to own original works of art. Why is that so important? I just think it's really important to live with works of art that were made by the hand of, of a human being. It, it elevates a space and it, it just elevates your day-to-day life in ways that you, if you take it for granted, you'll never get it. Like I remember the first time that I fell in love with a piece of artwork, had the money to buy it, made that purchase. It's a memory that I will never forget. It's an artist that I got to meet and really loved and um, I've supported that person. I lifted that person up this long before any sort of gallery ownership. Um, it is extremely rewarding to be able to support creative human beings. I feel like it makes the world a better place. You know, that even though it was a copy, that Matisse painting, the relationship that I have formed with that particular piece over the course of decades now is invaluable to me. She's like a member of my family. You still have that painting. Oh my yes. God, yes. It's very prominently displayed in my home and I love it. I, I, She is, we have an intimate relationship. I even, I know friends that, or couples even, that will go in and have like timeshare works of art, which I think is bloody brilliant. And it keeps, it keeps things interesting. It keeps the chi moving around, you know, like, it's it's the experience of it. It's the memory that's carved out. And it's empowering as shit. You know, that first the first time your first collection purchase, you'll never forget it. It's it's a and you, the relationships that are formed between you and the gallery, you and the you know, the staff, the artists, the other collectors I mean you you really become part of a community and it's a valuable important community that gets taken for granted too often Um, and it's a reason that I always make sure with every show I want there to be something that is affordable for everyone and if we are reproducing in any way it's done hopefully by hand when and if at all possible, always by hand and under limited edition circumstances, period. Because I, I love to be able to provide something for everyone. Julia, we've come to your fifth and final funeral song. Tell me about this this fifth song. The fifth and final song, um, I just sort of imagine, and because this is a fantasy, then... Um, Obviously, I have the power to control what everyone hears on their way home, um, which in my in my mind, it's, you know, it was this big, long, just not too debaucherous, maybe a little debauchery. Um, But everybody's sort of like pop tents. Hopefully no one drove, tried to drive home. You know, it was a nice, safe, magical party. Um, So maybe wherever everyone ends up, they at least hear a portion of the song. It's this movie, Legend, I'm insufferable to watch it with. I've seen it so many times that I know almost every line. And it's it just is such a bizarre uh, soundtrack and wonderful soundtrack. It's a movie that every time it's over, I wish it would go on forever. You know, it's like just, it's the most beautiful, 
che- wonderfully cheesy goodbye song, and it just made, I, for whatever reason, it makes perfect sense to me that this, in some capacity, you will hear of, of at least a, a bar or two of this song as my peace out. <laughs> Tangerine Dream and Loved by the Sun with vocals by John Anderson of Yes from the soundtrack for the film Legend, one of Julia Martin's favorite films, <laughs> and her final <laughs> fantasy song choice. <laughs> Julia, have you thought about what you would like to happen to your body? I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what I believe. Obviously, nobody knows what happens to us when we die, but, you know, if anybody felt compelled to snag a handful or two of my ashes, so be it, have at them, you know? I, I, I did have a fun um, kind of idea <laughs> to... Um, Ellie Caudle makes these wackadoo, like, baubles and, you know, like, glitter and dead bugs and things, like, encapsulated in resin. And they're just so fun and they're so beautiful and so random. I loved the idea of making sure that she got at least one good size handful of my ashes and just mix them up in some glitter and throw them in whatever jewelry she felt compelled to add them to and i you know i just like that what what where in the world would i end up i could end up anywhere on the globe you know i just thought that could be kind of fun but i mean once i'm once we're gone we're gone i really it doesn't matter to me uh I, I do like the idea of just burning away. I don't, I've always hated the idea of a grave and um, taking up space when you're gone is just absurd to me. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Julia Martin, this has been so nice. Thank you for taking us through your fantasy funeral. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I really enjoyed it. My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶